We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Nation, the people of the three fires known as Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi Nations. And further, we give thanks to the Chippewa of Saugeen and the Chippewa of Nawash, now known as the Saugeen Ojibwe Nation, who are the traditional keepers of this land. In some parts of Canada, treaties were signed with First Nations that gave incoming settlers rights to much of the land, while in other areas, few or no treaties were signed. Unceded land was never given or legally signed away to Britain or Canada. Instead, it was stolen and continues to be occupied and governed by settlers today. As we live, work, surf and play, we say mahalo to the Métis, Inuit and Indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and from around the world who have stewarded these lands and sacred surf spots for thousands of years. We recognize their amazing resistance, resilience, and strength in the face of ongoing oppression, dispossession, colonial violence, and injustice. In particular, we wish for justice to be brought for the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls from across our country. We believe that for true healing and harmony to occur, we must reflect and make serious changes while working together as we move forward in truth and reconciliation. We can be better, we can do better. Welcome to Permastoked. I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. In this podcast, we talk to your favorite surfers and stand-up paddleboarders from across the Great Lakes, Canada, the U.S., and beyond. We take a peek into their lives and find out what it means to be stoked. Is it a natural state of euphoria, elation, a relentless commitment? I also talk to other Permastoked individuals with ties to surf culture, such as artists, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, musicians, philanthropists, yogis, and much more. Join us each Monday in learning from these field experts and enthusiasts while being inspired by their undying passion, insights, and rad tales. Permastoked is brought to you by Freshwater Surf Goods, your surf brand devoted to spreading the stoke across the unsalted seas and cultivating pride amongst the surf community. We do this by providing products and apparel that celebrate the awesomeness of both Great Lakes and Canadian surf culture. Stand out in the tribe by rocking our gear. Visit freshwatersurfgoods.com today. Or look for our products in a surf shop near you, such as Surf Sup Eco Shop in Concarden and Goderich, where you can also find me, Derek Hyatt, teaching surf, sup, and yoga. Would you like to try the fastest growing sport in North America? Right on, because Freshwater Surf Goods has its own stand-up paddleboard school. We offer basic and advanced flatwater courses, SUP surfing and surfing lessons in groups and both private and semi-private, along with tours, custom experiences, and SUP yoga in and around Owen Sound, Grey Bruce, and other parts of Southwestern Ontario. Have fun as you take your skills from, okay, to killer with a Paddle Canada certified instructor. If you'd rather stay dry, check out our Great Vibes Yoga Meditation and Healing Program. Aloha is a life force energy of loving and living in harmony with all my relations. 
Through movement, mantra, meditation, and breath, our classes reveal to seekers how to connect with their true self so they may spread great vibrations in the spirit of aloha throughout the global consciousness. We use powerful yogic technologies and the Hawaiian art of Ho'oponopono to calm the nervous system and leave you feeling uplifted and in harmony with mind, body, and spirit. Enjoy community and a chill atmosphere filled with great vibes and sacred ancient teachings delivered with humor and integrity. hell is Derek Hyatt anyway? In this episode, roles are reversed as Taylor Morozova from the Weird Waves podcast interviews me, Derek Hyatt, the host of Permastoke. Taylor digs into my interest in Indigenous reconciliation, including my time studying on reserve and living in the Arctic. She talks with me about my Lake Erie surfing origins, my journey from the West Coast back to the Great Lakes, my vision for freshwater surf goods, listening to your inner guide while discovering your purpose, the future of Permastoke, and much more. This episode was recorded on August 5th, 2020. It features explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. This nice is to us. meet you uh, yeah, nice electronically. To meet you. I know. So where are you located? I just moved like... Last the week before last, I moved from Vancouver, BC, to a place called Owen Sound in Ontario. It's not okay. too far from uh, Lake Huron, like Sable Beach and Kincardine. Okay, yeah, got it. There's a good surf out that way. Awesome. And is that? Are you from that area? Are you from BC? What's your story there? No, I'm originally from a town called Leamington, Ontario. It's okay. the most southern point of Canada. It's like about an hour drive to the border, like to go over to Detroit. So born and raised there on Lake Erie. And um, yeah, I lived there till, I don't know, I was in my 20s. And then I started doing some adventures. I lived up in uh, the Arctic in Nineveh for a while. Um, did some tree That's planting. That's cool. Yeah. What was that like? Cold. <laughs> yeah. But hey, I lived right on the Arctic Ocean. Never saw any waves on it. Totally frozen the entire time. That's super cool. What made was... you go up there? I've never heard anybody going up that north. Yeah. Well, in high school, um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I was older. Right. <laughs> and yeah. And so I was working this job at night. Uh, delivering electronics and I would go to school the next day and I was falling asleep during class it was really bad my last year and then I had this history teacher and he started talking about indigenous people and actually what happened like when Canada and the U.S. was colonized like not the sugar-coated like happy settlers version but you know, smallpox and genocide and all these things. It was like, whoa, like it literally woke me up. Like I couldn't fall asleep in his class. I was totally just glued. So I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. All I knew is that I was a nice guy and I liked helping people. I went to school to be uh, my first 
college diploma is called Traditional Aboriginal Healing Methods. Wow. Otherwise known as a native community worker. So I decided I wanted to go up north and see what it was all about and uh, help out however I could up there. And so I did. And uh, it was pretty rad, though. And the snow, like literally there was so much snow up there that I remember one time the snow was over our door that we had to jump out from the second story. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty wild. when you get, I'm so fascinated by this. So when you get a degree in this traditional, say it again, sorry, so I don't mess it up. Traditional Aboriginal healing methods. Okay. Can you expand on that, please? I've never heard anything about this. Yeah, so I went to school on this reserve called Chippewa of the Thames, which is close to London, Ontario. And so I uh, I ended up living there with this lady. She was super nice. She became like my grandma kind of a thing. And I, I lived at her place on the reserve, which was really wild. Like, you know, being a white guy, I wasn't sure how that was going to be received. And, you know, there was hostility with certain people but I you know people knew where my heart was and and as they got to know me it was totally cool so um, in fact I remember one time the fire department it was like one or two people and there was this kind of mini forest fire that started right across the road from where I lived and the firemen showed up And it was only one dude like putting out a fire on the res. So he gave me a hose and there I am like putting out a fire. That was pretty (laughs) wild. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was really interesting. Um, Some of the highlights from that course were like going out into the wilderness um, and picking herbs and different plants for medicine and learning what they do. I remember one time we, um, it's like sassafras, bergamot, cedar, um, kind of forget what, sage. And you put all this stuff together and you make this liquid. It literally tasted like ditch water. But I mm-hmm. had this like sinus, like I had some sinus thing going on. Totally gone. Like just incredible. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So that was, uh, that was that education. It was pretty cool, you know, like my grad ceremony, for example, was like, you know, in a longhouse and people doing like a, a traditional dance and all just like, just wow. I was just felt really honored to be welcome in that environment and, and witness that and be a part of it. And so when I went up to the Arctic, it was, it was a different nation. Like then I'm living and, and working with Inuit people, which was sort of different, but similar. But uh, yeah, just really just really resilient people very kind people and um yeah i was actually surprised at how what the relations look like up there because oftentimes you know the reserves in ontario and i'm sure in the states there's some you know there's some resistance going on but in the arctic it felt the integration was a lot different um so the relations were really good at least to me it seemed like that but the social situation was not good. There is like a suicide every week that you wouldn't hear about and, you know, like gas sniffing and pretty extreme stuff. So, yeah. So relations, meaning like the relations between people on and off the reservations? No, I'm talking about Canadians. Or within the, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, got like, it. 
settlers. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure if you meant like inside of the reservation or like with people in the reservation. And because I know that's a interesting and it depends on where you're at um, situation here in the States. It's different. Basically, every single state that you go in has a bet like Michigan has a pretty good rep. They have a pretty good thing going on in a lot of those reservations. And like there's not like this border town type of vibe that you get when you go maybe more out towards the Dakotas where it's a little bit way a little more gnarly and here in Florida it's I think the Seminole people and they actually are extremely wealthy they invested in hard rock cafe casinos and own like all of them yeah the the movies you know the U.S. like movies and things really portray every time you see Native folks, they always, like, own casinos and these kind of things. Well, you know, there is a, I'm not exactly sure in what way it's a loophole, but that is pretty accurate. I wouldn't say Mm. for everybody, definitely not. But I would say if you're going through Michigan or if you're going through... I mean, I think the majority, unless you're in Detroit, there's a very good amount of casinos that are on native land or native reservations. Um, So you're no longer in Michigan? You're in Florida? Yeah. So we moved to Florida about two months ago, but we were in in Michigan City, Indiana for um, four years. Yeah. About four Wait years. Wait a minute, you're in Michigan City, but that's in Indiana. Indiana, not in yeah. Okay. That's right. It's right on the border um, between Michigan and Indiana. I'm not exactly sure who decided to name that. Um, yeah. Even my bank, um, my bank today, I was changing my address and my bank was like, but you were in Michigan. And I was like, no, I was not in Michigan. I was in the city called Michigan City that's in the state of Indiana. It's yeah, like what is it? Kansas. Confusing. I think there's a Kansas City, Missouri, or okay. something. <laughs> is there an Indiana? <laughs> is there an Indiana, Michigan? I have no idea. Okay. I should Google it. I, yeah. I should actually look that up. But no, I only. So say where that in Florida the- are you? Oh, um, so we are in the um the west palm beach area so we're in palm beach county but we're um in like 15 minutes south of west palm beach in a small town or small city called lake worth beach um it's super cool it's like the last i'd say affordable area in um in palm beach county for sure and probably in like southern southeastern florida So it's really cool. It's like artsy. There's cool murals on a lot of the buildings downtown. It's very like, it's, it's not, I don't know if you've ever been to Miami, but Miami is very like flashy, flashy, like very fast paced. And then West Palm beach is very like old money. Um, so Lake worth, it's kind of stuck in between the two of them. It's very random and very cool. So I love it. It's nice, a perfect, yeah. very underrated surf. <coughs> I love that. Okay. Everyone says there's no surf. There is. And it's really yeah. good. So I, for us, it's like a really good spot to be. 
Perfect. That is a good place to be. When people think there isn't surf there, that's where <laughs> there, you There be. is. I know. Yeah. I know. That's the whole Great Lakes scene, you know, especially when I started surfing the Great Lakes. Like, it's just so yeah. unheard of. Yeah. So when did you start? When did you start surfing on the lake? Yeah. So like I said, I grew up in that town of Leamington. Um, and so it was, uh, yeah, 1999 I started. But I'll kind of, I'll elaborate on that a little bit. Um, because I grew up, um, my dad left when I was young. And so I didn't really have that like male role model kind of for a while. Um, and then I had a really great stepdad come in the picture. And but I wasn't influenced by sports like most kids were playing hockey and baseball and all that kind of stuff. I was not into that. Um, but my stepdad used to take me fishing a lot. So I really felt this connection with the water very early on. And I can remember my dad taking me to this beach when I was very young and very scrawny. Um, you know, I can't remember. I don't know what age I was, but I would have been under 100 pounds for sure. <laughs> whatever that age is. So anyway, I remember being at the beach and my back was turned to the water and this, it was a very steep, um, a very steep face. And this wave came and just kind of grabbed me from behind. And I remember this very vividly and it pulled me out, pulled me into the water and it actually then picked me up and slammed me on the beach face and then I just felt all these other stones get lifted up and come and just, you know, pounce on me. And I probably had every right to cry, but I was just like, whoa, like that is so cool. Like I was stoked and I didn't even know it. So from that point on, I was anytime there were um, like there was a storm or something and there were waves, I'd usually just go out body surfing Um and then in high school, I remember uh, Sublime came out with that album that Bradley Noel had the tattoo on his back. And that kind of like changed everything for me. That was like my big influence, like this SoCal music. And it just resonated with me. And it's still my favorite band, even with Rome. But uh, when I heard that album, it's like, I kind of felt like I knew I was going to be a surfer in some weird way. It's like I yeah. knew. And I remember <laughs> on the back of the CD, there was this little image of a, of a guy surfing on a board. I thought it was so cool. And I remember I was 17. I actually got that tattooed on my back before I had ever even rode a wave. It's like I just knew I was going to be a surfer somehow. Meanwhile, I'm living on the Great Lakes. I didn't know about any of that stuff. So it was 1999. Um, my buddy had a windsurfing board and he's like, Hey, let's go try this out. So I go out to the, uh, Seacliff Beach, it's called. And I'd heard about the, my grandma, the church she went to, I'd heard about the pastor of this church surfing. Um, so when we went out trying this windsurfing board, like we were not having any success at all. And the guy was out there. His name was Mark. And he, he saw us and he's like, hey, why don't you guys take that sail off and just try surfing, right? So I just took the board out in the, out in the whitewash or whatever and, you know, tried a couple times and, and didn't do it. 
And then when I got that first wave, like it's done, like game over. I'm stoked. Like, and it's basically been my life ever since. Um, That was in 99 and he actually wasn't around much longer. Uh, And then I had another friend got into it. He wasn't around much longer. So I was basically flying solo. Um, Anytime there were waves, just sort of figuring it out on my own. I didn't really have anybody teaching me or anything. But there were a couple of guys from Michigan that would come over every once in a while. Um, I don't know. Maybe you know these guys. I'm not sure. It was Emilio Marino or Marino, um, Paul Kevlin, and uh, Dean Williams. And Dean actually shaped. He was the shaper for Up North Surfboards. That was my very first board. So these guys were like. They were kind of like my idols, I guess you could say. Like when these Michigan guys came over, they were quite a bit older than me. I would have been like 17, 18. Um, and yeah, so they hooked me up with the board. And and those times when they came down, I was a part of something. You know, I wasn't the kook that everyone's like, you can't surf the Great Lakes. Meanwhile, hello, here I am. Like, yeah. look at me. Yeah. Um, but when those guys came over, I really felt like I was a part of something. Um, and then there was a book that came out, I think, in the early 2000s called Surfing the Great Lakes by uh, Peter Straz something. Um, yep. And at that time, I, his book said that there were about maybe 500 people, I think, surfing the Great Lakes. But this was before paddle boards or anything like that. I think with the addition of paddle boards now, and wakeboards and everything else like that number is way higher um but i wouldn't yeah. know what the the surfer the the prone surfers i wouldn't know what those numbers are but i know it's certainly bigger because i moved to vancouver in 2008 because i wanted to be closer to the ocean to go surfing and uh, i should have looked at a map because it's like you still have to go to Vancouver Island and <laughs> yeah. drive to the other side of it. And, you know, I was, was a little bit younger. So, um, so yeah, I was living out there for the past 12 years. And in that time, you know, I'm on the Internet. I mean, back when I was started surfing, there was no Facebook. There was like the Internet was kind of more in its infancy. Like we weren't using it like we use it today. At least I wasn't. Um, so just being in Vancouver, seeing this whole Great Lakes thing blow up, like especially in Toronto with guys like Larry and Antonio, um, whom you know. And so it really just got me like really invigorated and stoked again that I'm like, wow, there are more people like me out there. Um, so yeah, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to rekindle that relationship, get reconnected with that. So your sole purpose for coming back was to be back on the Great Lakes or was there other reasons as well? Yeah, I mean, I we all I always knew I'd return. I guess the bigger story is um, my stepdad, who I was really close with. He uh, passed away a few months ago, like in the very early, early COVID, um, not from COVID. Um, he actually drank himself to death which is super sad and why I'm a, and why I'm an outreach worker. Um, Understandable. But, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. So that happened. My mom's had some issues with her knee for a long time in and out of the hospital. My wife and I are 
at that point where if we're going to have a family, like we freaking better do it soon. So <laughs> we just thought like Vancouver is awesome city. I would stay there forever if I could afford it. Like if, if you could actually get the house and settle down and everything, then we'd probably be there. Um, but that's just not possible. And family's important. So we wanted to get back closer to them and, and being back on the Great Lakes is a bonus. And I feel like a real sense of coming home. Like I'm for the longest time, I felt like, what am I doing? Like I'm not in alignment with where I need to be, what I need to be doing. Meanwhile, I was because no other opportunities were coming up. Like I was, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. I just might not have wanted that. But these days, things just keep happening, happening that is pointing me, like major pointing me at doing this and coming here and getting something going. I'll tell you, this is interesting. This is kind of funny, too. Um, you know, I've started this kind of just kind of small for now, online presence with freshwater surf goods. And so I also do SUP lessons. Mm -hmm. And so on the ride, I started the drive home in my blue Kia. And I had two surf tech, like 11 foot sups on the roof because me and my brother-in-law were going to stop at Banff and all these different parks and go for a sup ride. Um, I wasn't even out of BC. It was like three hours into the trip. The tranny blows on my car. So my car's KO'd and I still have to get across the country. <laughs> so I'm at this uh, mechanic and, you know, like a lot of mechanics are kind of, you know, shifty people, right? But yeah. this guy, like something was really, he was just very kind. And I just knew this guy's in it to help people. Like his thing on his website said open 24 hours and seven days a week. I'm like, wow, that's commitment, right? And when I talked to him on the phone, he's like, we're going to have you back on the road and on your journey. So you go to his shop and in BC, you don't need, I don't know what it is over there, but in BC, you don't need to get your car safetyed in order to put it on the road. As long as it's been in the province and it's been being driven, all you got to do is switch the ownership and get it insured and you're on your way. In Ontario, that's not the case. It's like it's like a warrant of fitness or something to like make sure your car is fine. Car's got to get safety, blah, 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 lots of Okay. Money. Yeah. But in BC, okay, yeah. you can just buy a car, insure it, you're <laughs> yeah. on the road. So yeah. this guy, he said, well... He's got this like uh, Buick and it looks like what my father-in-law drives. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking drive a Buick. Like, give me a break. Like my Kia was cool. It had a roof rack and it was extended back. It was like the surf mobile. Right. And then he's like, well, the other option, I got this old uh, Crown Vic, um, but it's been sitting in my driveway and it had a bunch of snow on it. And the, you know, the roof is caving in on it. And I'm like, Good God, like these options suck. I'm like, this blows. Like, I do not want to go to Ontario and start my new adventure in one of these cars. And he's like, I was like, do you have anything else? He's like, well, it's a little more money, but I got this van outside. You can go check out. So I go around back. This isn't like any van. This is a Ford F, like E250, like big white cargo van. Yes. 2009, like in great shape. And I bought it on the spot for five grand. And that was just another one of those like, oh, my God, this is I actually felt like that was my stepdad kind of 
talking to me, like helping me out, right? Because now I'm in Ontario. I wanted to start this surf business, do some sup lessons. Like now I got the van, like I got the boards, like I'm set up, like things just keep rolling out like that. So I'm just want to stay tuned into this frequency and just, you know, see what happens. Just go with it. It's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. Isn't it interesting? Like, sometimes if you just say that you're going to do something, everything kind of just lines up for you to make that happen. Like it really, I, I, I really believe that. And I've talked to so many people, um, on the podcast and some of the same people like that you've talked to, like when you hear about Larry, you know, coming to Canada with like not the right jacket at all. And somehow Mm. it just all, everything just works out. It's just, it's so interesting. Like, I just feel like, um, sometimes that humans or like us as people were meant to go on these journeys. And if you just make your journey, then everything else will kind of like figure it out. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, even saving money, like the last couple of years, we couldn't save a dime. You know, we just always had a bill to pay or, or something to put money towards. Then COVID hits and I lose my job. And now I'm receiving what we call up here CERB, which stands for Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. It's like my income cut in half almost. And but because of, you know, not going out to the movies and doing this mm-hmm. and that, I'm not spending any money. We saved like more money since COVID hit than ever before. And, you know, saved enough to do the move and not a whole lot extra, but like enough right. to do the move, enough to pay for that van when I had to. Like, it's just crazy. So, yeah, you're right. It's just go with it. Just embrace it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what was it that made you decide to specifically start like a, like right now you would be a clothing company or is it like a brand or what is, what are you working on creating? Yeah. So kind of going back to that early days of surfing, when I started surfing, I'm all stoked on Great Lakes surfing. What do I have to show for it? You know, like, just my stories. Um, and here I am walking around in Billabong and Quicksilver shirts, right? And those are cool, but they weren't, they didn't capture the spirit of the Great Lakes surfer, right? So I always felt like that was a gap in the market. And then, so I always had this idea of I want to create really cool apparel for Great Lakes surfers, but you know, there's only five of us. So what does it matter, right? <laughs> right. Um, But then, like I said, I'm sitting here in Vancouver watching everything blow up on the Internet and all the the shops that have opened. And I I know the presence in the U.S. has always been more. But in Canada, like really seeing the advancement um, going on. So I just wanted to throw my hat into the game and have something to contribute. So I've started Freshwater Surf Goods. It's very new at this point. Um, You know, but I got a couple designs I'm pretty stoked on and I hope other people are, too stuff they can wear and it's kind of gives that extra not that we need to prove ourselves but it's pretty cool to have something to represent and so i want people to to get that from freshwater surf goods and there's a lot of yeah and there's a lot of shops out there and because it may take me a bit to get there i thought that this could be the angle that rather than trying to be a shop and compete with other people why not just start out trying to be a brand 
selling to those shops that already exist. So that's kind of where I'm starting. That makes a lot of sense. And also there's way less overhead than having a shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, I do teach stand-up paddleboarding lessons um, and sup surfing actually. So, so I'm ready to go on that. Actually, as soon as my boards get here. So yeah. are you like, did you have them shipped over or something? Or they you order are, some? They are in my Vancouver apartment right now with my wife. They'll be getting on a truck in a, in a couple of <laughs> weeks. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I've got, I've got two in my van right now. Um, one, which I was paddling down this river last week for the first time here in Owen Sound. Just kind of like looking around, taking it all in, the trees, the Canada geese, the ducks, there were swans. I'm in La La Land. All of a sudden, I just like, like, oh, like I hit this snag and I go forward. I almost fall off my board. I look down. I pretty much ran into a, like an old fallen tree and this tree like stopped me dead in my tracks. So anyway, when I pulled it out later, huge crack in it so i actually have it in my van now i'm taking it to larry on friday i was gonna say <laughs> yeah. somebody yeah. get that board to larry <laughs> yeah it needs repair i'm in bad shape right now i was in tofino a couple of weeks ago my board snapped in half oh um, but that's kind, of a, that's kind of a rite of patch, passage though i think yeah but uh you know i got three <laughs> surfboards and two of them are broken like those odds aren't really that great right now so my new board that I actually shaped myself, um, it's like an eight foot two. It's in Vancouver. Never been ridden, waiting for the lakes. So I can't wait. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to ask where you got your blank from. Like, did you oh. shape an old board or you ordered a blank? No, in Vancouver, there's this place called, shout out to my friend Alex Rosen. He has a place called Hidden Village Surfcraft and Design. It used to be a studio called Shaper, and they would teach surf how to shape surfboards, how to glass, how to do all that stuff. Um, but they went away, so he's got a smaller operation. But basically, you go see him, and he teaches you how to shape the boards. So, and it's very affordable. I mean, the whole thing altogether. I think I paid around eleven hundred Canadian for the board. Which, that's awesome. Yeah, like honestly, that's that's really cheap. Like. Probably most longboards cost more than that, actually. So, yeah, and I got to shape it myself, put my own design on it, pick the color, everything. So, yeah. And it's it's uh, based off the, the mini Malibu design. I was making it originally for my wife. Now I really am going to be right. <laughs> well. But it's called a, a mini Malibu, but I'm calling it the mini Michigan since I'm That's bringing it to the Great Lakes, yeah. And him and I actually are working on a few board designs that we will be selling together through Freshwater Surf Goods. Oh, that's awesome. Boards for with lakes. the lakes in, in, in mind, yeah. Yeah, that's smart. That's really smart. I know that they had, um, where I used to work at Third Coast Surf Shop, they have a collab with Bing that's like the custom mm. lake boards, and they do super well. Um, I just think that we... Once you get to a certain level in, in any surfing, but especially in Great Lakes surfing, you need to have like a, a specific, you kind of know what you're looking for and what you're looking for on the lake is different than what you're looking for on the ocean, as you know. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. 
And a couple of weeks ago, I was at this place here in Canada called Sobble Beach. It's this really beautiful, epic place. Um, kind of looks like a mini California, you know, like burgers and milkshakes and people on the beach. It's really rad. Um, but anyway, I was out there and I, there were these little waves. And like, like I've been away from the Great Lakes for 12 years, right? So my perspective, you have to understand, is tainted. Like I'm in ocean mode now, right? Mm-hmm. So. So I'm looking at these waves and I'm like all those cynics from back in the day. I'm looking at right. them like, those are those are pretty small. You can't you can't surf those. So I go out in my paddleboard. I just wanted to get some exercise. And my board is by no means a, a subsurf board. It's not meant for the surf. But I was riding these little fun waves in no problem. And there was this sensation that came over me, this like, yeah, like, welcome back, like you're home, you're where you belong. And it's like I could feel the difference in the in the waves. Like Great Lakes waves are usually harder, but in a sense, it felt like it felt easier to me for some reason. It was like just a return to return to, to self. It was pretty awesome. That's so cool. That is like that's really it's um it's cool to hear somebody that just goes for it and you're like, you're, you're getting what's, what's due and, you know, that's cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Like I said, just for so long, I felt like I was going against the grain. I'm like, when is something going to happen? When is my moment? Like I remember hearing the story about David Hasselhoff. I think he was, he was like on an airplane or something and they just, grabbed him and said, made him a movie star. Like then he's a night <laughs> rider, right? And not that right. I want to be a movie star, but I kept thinking like, when am I going to be discovered? When is that thing going to happen? I kept waiting for something else to happen to me. Whereas these days, like I've really learned like, no, you got to go out and get it. But you don't even necessarily need to purposely act or chase, but you need to be open and aware. I think. And then things just start coming into your field. I think so too. You know, I'm going to find this picture and I'm going to send it to you, but it was um, at a backpackers. It was like, you know, they put cool, like nice sayings and chalk on the front. And it was something like the tourist is bored because he keeps waiting for something to happen to him. Mm. The traveler is excited because he seeks adventure every country or every place that he goes or something something like that so it's it is kind of like that if if nothing ever happens to you then nothing will ever happen to you but if you go and seek adventure then magically you find that a lot of interesting things will happen to you but it's only because you decided to go for said adventure i guess yeah Things really shifted for me a couple of years ago. I was, I'd had some injuries and things and, you know, they were kind of accumulating and I'd gained some weight and I was getting bogged down by this sciatic pain I was having and whatnot. Um, And I ended up being off work for a little bit. And I went to the naturopath and she said to me, she's like, you know, you should try doing yoga. And I'm like, yoga, like, my wife's been doing yoga all these years. I know nothing about yoga. My vision of yoga is like, you know, girls in stretchy pants and you know, that kind of thing. It's like not really resonating with me. And she said, what would you prefer, a science yoga or a spiritual yoga? And I'm thinking, well, I don't know a damn thing about science. Like science is not my gig. 
but I'm fascinated by spirituality and you know native teachings and and all the I'm very open to all that kind of stuff. So I went into this place uh, in Vancouver called the Dharma Temple and I was blown away. Like I thought I was going into this, you know, move your arm this way and do that. Sure, it had a lot of that, but it was the richness of the teachings. It was like, wow. And like unlike other, you know, religions and things that have been presented to me, no one had to convince me of these teachings. Like they just made sense. It was like, yeah, what you're saying, I can actually feel that. No one needs to tell me that. I can feel that what you're saying is is right. And one of the lessons that was the most powerful for me and and I think has gotten me, you know, here now is giving yourself the authority. And that's not something I was doing before. I I was always kind of like bashful or let the other person go first, you know? No, you have to give yourself the authority to do what you want to do. And, you know, like yourself, you know, this whole podcast thing, I started the the Permastoked podcast. You know, that's a little nerve wracking at first. Like I've been kind of hiding in the shadows for a while. And here I am. I'm about to put myself out there to people, reveal my secrets and, you know, share my vulnerabilities. Um yeah, like that was something big. So I'm like, no, just give yourself the authority to do the podcast. No one can tell you you can't do it. And, you know, sure enough, I'm 10 episodes in and it's it's rocking. It's going awesome. It's so interesting with podcasting, too, because it ends up being so much about like listening as well. Mm-hmm. That you you think that it's I, don't, I, I find that to be super interesting this is, you know, I'm going into probably like 60 episodes now. And um, it's super interesting because it's, it's so not about you. Like it it actually becomes that because Mm -hmm. I was kind of, I was kind of that way. In the beginning, I was like, um, I was struggling with like, do I make it about me? Do you know, how do I kind of like what you were saying, like, you recorded like an, an episode explaining yourself and all of these things. And I, I guess I kind of realized that I didn't need that preface mm. of like who who's giving these interviews, you know, like yeah. um, it just was exactly the interview is the interview. And every podcast is different, too. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know that like we're we're podcasting on a similar wavelength, but it's not the same thing. And that's yeah. what's awesome. Yeah. Is that, um, I know so many different surf podcasts and how many different um people start different surf podcasts and I listen to so many different podcasts as well. So it's very interesting, but you, you have to like, you do have to put yourself out there. You have to ask people, you have to, you know, it's humbling, I think. Yeah. Well, to, to throw in a caveat there, when I was in high school, I was, I kind of had this interest in radio. And so I got a job at the local radio station playing the, I was broadcasting the Toronto Blue Jay games and uh, Maple Leaf games. And I put the commercials in there. And then in the summer, they were advertising for their summer patroller position, which is the dudes who drive around in the cool car and go to all the events and give away free swag and, you know, go on air and say stuff. Right. So I got that job. I was really stoked about it. Did a couple on-air kind of things. And then I did some at the beach as well. And my boss came up to me. She's like, Derek, 
we don't want to have you on the radio anymore. Your voice just isn't working for what we want. But anytime you're at the beach, we want you broadcasting from the beach because you're like the total surfer dude kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So it's like, okay, so just that's cool, right? I'll just lean more into that. Yeah, so, that, yeah, that's that's so funny. Yeah. So now that I'm doing this, it just feels sort of full circle in a way. And if I were to compare myself to other podcasts, it's like, oh, yeah, maybe I don't think I'm as good or whatever. But honestly, you and I, we had, we do have kind of some similar shows and we've had similar. We've had some repeat guests. But like you said, like. Our vibes are different. We're different people. So we bring different things. And it's a whole world of it out there. And lucky for me, too, I'm able to really tap into this Canadian scene because no one is um, podcast interviewing like the pro surfers from Tofino or Halifax and stuff. So I'm also really lucky to sort of have to have given myself the authority to just start reaching out to pro surfers like, Hey, I'm Derek. Hyatt, want to do my podcast. Um, yeah. And it's been going great so far. People are so hospitable and, and fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so, it's so cool. I, I just love doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great talking to people. Like really, I just feel like I've made so many new friends and so many new people to go surfing with and learn from. And yeah. Yeah, totally. Me, me as well. And I just, um, I, I think it's cool that you have like tethered it to your brand. Mm. I think that that's really smart because, um, you know, it starts as the podcast or people can either find it like either way. So they can yeah. either find you from freshwater surf goods and then you go to your website, which I really like. It's a very well designed website. Thank and then you. you you can see, oh, there's a podcast or you can do, you know, like you might listen to somebody on the podcast and say, oh, what's this freshwater surf goods? And then you go yeah. there. So I like that different like channels. Yeah. It's pretty cool. See, and I've heard your take on, you know, not having the advertising and stuff like that. And I totally get that, respect that too. For me, um, I decided, okay, I want to sell stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, of course I want to make money. But like more than making money, this is my passion. I just want to be absorbed in this culture. And I don't like at the end of my life when people remember me, like what is my legacy? I want it to be in things that are meaningful. So the, you know, the work I do as a social service worker, that's meaningful. But then also surfing has done so much for me that I want to contribute to that and make it known to other people. And so I was thinking with the brand, it's like, I'm asking people to get something from me, but what do I have to give them? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do the podcast as a way to give something without any expectations or asking for anything back. Sure. I'd love people to go to the freshwatersurfgoods.com, buy a t-shirt, but (laughs) if not, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's how you, that's what makes people interested in whatever you're doing too, I think, is that um, I don't know. I think there's this kind of interesting consumerism thing that's happening where people don't want to just buy whatever. It yeah. becomes more of a like 
they want some sort of connection to whatever is being sold to them, which I think is really good. And, um, yeah, you can just really see that with what you're doing. It's very cool. And it's, um, you just love to see it, especially from the lakes. I mean, Mm. you know, I think everybody that has surfed the great lakes or is involved in that community knows and and we're like proud of our own in a in this way that's like just really cool yeah yeah and you know i have you know they probably wouldn't think of themselves this way but guys like vince durr and um you know larry and lee williams like these are guys that i was watching as a late teenager on all these movies you know step in the liquid unsalted now I'm doing podcasts with them. Like I'm getting to know these guys. So it's so cool. Like I'm getting to know my, my elders, if you will, but really these are guys that I've looked up to and they don't even know it because I've never met them in person. Some of them. uh, Yeah. And also the other kind of sneaky thing I did with the podcast was I didn't I didn't have a clue. I was not on Instagram. My wife talks about Instagram. I didn't have a clue about Instagram. I'm always like a decade behind. Like my wife is like, you're so 90s. Like everything's <laughs> always 90s, right? So I'm always a bit behind. And uh, so Instagram was not my thing. But then I thought, okay, if I get the podcast going and I start asking people for pictures, right? Now I'm getting this plethora of amazing photos from people. And it's not that my Instagram is really, I don't know how directly that is impacting sales, but regardless, it's getting followers and it looks damn awesome because I'm getting super cool photos from people. So I actually just love it from the aesthetic point of view too. Yeah. it's And and it's really cool because once it, it grows like, all at once I feel like it'll grow a little in the beginning and then all at once ours was exactly the same way it's like you start I don't know how many followers you have but I feel like for us we got so excited after each like first it was like 50 and it's Mm. like oh we have 100 and now we have like 250 and then you get it's just that incremental growth and it's all organic you know that it's actually it's not like bots or all these other Mm. you know some people with thousands of followers you know you know like oh this is actually people and you can look at their profile and you can say like oh i know that these people these are the people that think that what i'm doing is important and that is super cool and the interaction like all of a sudden to be having this interaction and and people asking me about boards and and spots and things it's just like it's such an honor like to have started something over 20 years ago that just seemed so ridiculous to everybody else um, to now like see the payoff that, you know, I'm actually part of something bigger and I've actually been doing it for a little while, you know, like I can't say that for a lot of things, you know, I'm not really the expert on a lot of stuff. So this is cool that I have been a part of this sort of family for so long and it's great to have seen it to grow and now that i'm here i'm totally stoked just to get to know everybody honestly i'm so pumped (laughs) so i've got three last questions for you um so the first one is 
What is your biggest oh shit moment while surfing? Um, biggest oh shit moment. In the very, very early days um, on Lake Erie, I, you know, like I said, I didn't have anyone give me a surf lesson. Um, so even something as simple as doing, a, doing the starfish when you fall off or, you know, wrapping your head when you come up. So I've got dinged, I got dinged in the head a few times off my first board pretty bad. That was a real wake up call. But the scariest thing I think was one time I was at Indian Beach, um, which is part of Cannon Beach in Oregon. I love that spot. And I got, I got caught and stuck out in the rip curl for a while. That was pretty frightening. Like no matter how hard I paddled, I just couldn't get in. And there were other people, that was quite a while ago, but there were other people out there and I was kind of waving and stuff because the universal symbol for help on the water is waving your hands. Right. So I don't know if it's not that in the Americas or something because <laughs> no, no one was uh, coming to my aid, but regardless, I got out. But that was just another, actually, I think because that was so early in my ocean surfing coming from the lakes, that was my sort of wake up call that hey, there's a whole nother power at work here with Mother Ocean. Like, she's got her own agenda. She's got different things than the lake The lake does. Not that the lake isn't powerful. I was a commercial fisherman for a while on Lake Erie, and I saw some of the biggest waves I've ever seen out there. So, Yeah, there is an interesting thing that happens, the transition between lake and ocean, because you're right. It's still, the power level is similar. It's just different. Mm. It's a different thing. I totally, yeah. And uh, there's nothing like getting caught in a rip because there's there's nothing you can do. That's the the toughest thing, I think. Like with a bad wipeout, you can kind of do a self-rescue or you can try and pull yourself out of it. But man, you get caught in a rip. It's like, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my next question for you is what is the weirdest wave that you've ever surfed? Yeah, I've heard you ask other guests this. So I kind of was thinking about this a little bit. And to be honest with you, I think really the weirdest wave I ever surfed was the first wave I ever surfed. It was back home in Leamington um, at Seacliff Beach. And I say that because. We were surfing right next to this pier or the Leamington dock, and literally it was just nasty water. It was like brown water, <laughs> E. coli every summer. Like we had no freaking business being in there. Like I'm surprised I don't have three eyes or an extra leg or something. Like it was pretty nasty, especially now that I'm up here and I go out in this clear blue water. You can see you know, the seaweed on the ground, everything. So yeah, Lake Erie, where I'm, where I was born and raised is, was pretty nasty, pretty dirty. And that actually really upsets me um, that they I, don't take I, better care of it there. I feel like they might have, it could be changing, but I know that there's been some major cleanup efforts that like recently, I'm not going to speak to how clean it is at this very moment. I would have to ask some people there, but I do know that it's better. Yeah. So that I can say that, but other, I, I don't know how clean it is, but I have heard of cleanup efforts going on and some serious, like 
involvement with like removing certain chemicals and doing things. I'm not, I, I don't know exactly super scientific sounding, but you know, like I know that they're, they're trying to do something different with Lake Erie. I know that. Yeah. But yeah. Well, you know, we've, we have all these movements happening right now, which are great. Um, but yeah, maybe we need another one. Maybe we need like Great Lakes matter, you know, like yeah, yeah. dumping shit in them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, I've talked about this before, but I know that the surf rider foundation in Chicago successfully sued, um, the local steel mill, um, when they think, I believe it was hex, hexa, I, I'm not going to say the chemical, but it was the same chemical that is it was in the Aaron Brockovich movie. Mm-hmm. So it's the same. Uh, you say hexa- that like, like I would know what that say. is. <laughs> well, I, I know that people, people know that movie okay. more than they would know what, whatever hexavalent chromium six is what it's called. Okay. So I, wow. it, it's, that's why I threw that out there. Not, but okay. that was contaminated and a bunch of surfers got sick Oh no! and they did successfully win a lawsuit, which was a landmark case. So that's, I know that surf rider Chicago, I don't know if you guys have a local surf rider chapter. Um, it's one of the things I'm curious about. We do in BC, but I have not seen a Canadian version of that. Although there are other organizations, um, Alliance for the Great Lakes and, and a few others that I, now that I'm here, I need to do my research and get connected with them. But yeah. Yeah. That would be something interesting to look into for me because I know that that is a, a really powerful and great organization. They've done yeah. the, the Chicago branch has definitely done a lot. That's for sure. Um, yeah. But my last question for you is what is next for you? What is next for me? Um, couple things. Um, you know, like I said, things are just kind of happening. And even as much as I was telling you, you know, I'm not sure I'm ready to open up a surf shop. I don't know. Life might be telling me otherwise. Um, some, <laughs> some, some things have presented themselves to me in a, in a very appealing place. I'm not going to list names right now in case it doesn't work out but um i could be coming to a lake near you um sooner than i think um in shop form if not definitely look for my van i'm going to be out there providing sup lessons sup surf lessons uh hopefully out of lake huron as early as either later this summer or next summer permastoke is going to places that i didn't even imagine at first. Um, I have one of my biggest guests ever coming up that I'm super stoked about. Literally, my favorite artist in the entire world, Drew Brophy. He like changed surfboard designs forever. Like he's the guy who brought color and images to boards. Um, he is actually going to be a guest on my podcast. Him and his wife That's agreed awesome. to do it. So I'm super stoked on that. And I don't want to say the name either, but randomly I got a really weird 
connection came through to me, um, there could be a really huge guest coming up on the show um, that'll would just be, I think, incredible to be even mentioning Great Lakes surfing to this person and getting their take on it. So we'll see what happens there. But otherwise, freshwatersurfgoods.com. Um, check it out and let us know your feedback. It's, you know, it's quite, it's a little more expensive and whatnot than I realized to be hiring artists and creating these designs. So it's going a little slower than I want, but, um, you know, I have some cool design ideas I'd really like to get out there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I'm glad we got to, uh, do the good old switcheroo podcast style. Yeah, it's really cool being on the other end of this and I actually feel a lot more comfortable answering your questions than thinking up my own, actually. (laughs) You know, like the the pressure's off me, I guess. Right? Yeah. No, I that's that's exactly how I feel when I'm on the other side of it. So um I didn't I didn't interview my one of my recent interviews, I interviewed a doctor about tom blake so i was interviewing him about someone else because he uh, he authored a book about him that have you ever done that that was totally weird i was stumbling around i didn't know what to say because it's like you're not asking him about him you're asking him about someone else i haven't had that i had the um i i guess i kind of did so i there's um episode 45 um it's the wave woman book and it was about her mother so she wrote the book about her mother and um it was hard because i think i like she also used to surf and then she wrote a book about her mom who surfed so it was interesting to try and talk about the book and her mom's surfing experience, but then also include her and her surfing experience. Mm. And I think sometimes when I ask questions to her about herself, it was more like her about her mother, which was super interesting. The whole thing was an extremely good interview. It was very fascinating. This was like 1950s and 60s, one of the first women to ever be in a co-ed surfing competition, went to Tahiti, went to Brazil, went to all these different places in the 50s as a solo mom and daughter team. Like, it just doesn't get any more, like, rad than that. So um, that was awesome. But it was it was one of my harder interviews for yeah. sure. So I feel like I can understand what you're saying. So yeah. Yeah. Um, can I ask you a can I ask you a question? Yeah. On your podcast, I was listening to to one of your podcasts uh, yesterday, and you were saying, do you have somewhere between four and five hundred downloads per show? Um, it depends. So it goes. It definitely depends. So. It's slow right now for us because I think because we do it once a week and people definitely got in their routine. I think I said the same thing. Um, People got in their routine or had their routine before COVID where it was like, you know, it was steady. And then the next week, the numbers would be steady. Right. Or we'd see like a significant jump because we had someone maybe with a lot of followers on. 
And so they went back and listened to all of our episodes. So then all of our numbers would grow, but it's definitely not per week. Um, We definitely, we no, it's not that many. Um, I wouldn't even know what our average is right now, but it's definitely like, it's definitely lower. Because what you were saying on that episode, I thought we're actually opposite. You were saying that you had a small social media following, but a big mm-hmm. download rate. Yep. And me, my social media seems to be killing it. Like in, in a matter of no time, I have like 500 or more people. So, I'm, so mm-hmm. I think that that's aging well where it should be. But the podcast, yeah, it's a bit... It's a bit harder to market and I'm trying to, you know, reach out to influencers, sorry, influencers and things. But yeah, I think it's pretty awesome for only being 10 episodes in like to see, you know, I think the Larry Cavero episode has like 70 downloads or something. But, you know, I really want to get, you know, it's not a ego thing about getting the numbers up. It's a wanting to get the product out there to people, wanting people to know it's available. So I'm glad for this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you for having me on to promote my show too. It's on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, all those kind of things. Tell Alexa to play Permastoke. I don't know if she might (laughs) do it. I'm not sure. (laughs) Spotify. Yeah. Permastoke. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I think now like, um, it's, it has it's just changed and i think it's a routine thing that's mm. why we started doing the youtube um i started re-releasing stuff um i mean our john wayne freeman on youtube has like 2000 views yeah it's yeah. It just people want to actually i think that they have the time now and they want to watch us interact with each other mm-hmm. um and even if it's like i forgot what i was telling one of the people that I interviewed was concerned because, you know, it's her background looked kind of like what your background looked like. Right. So she was like, it's going to be boring. And I was like, no, because, you know, even if it's like I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast and it's like his his podcasts are like three and a half hours long. So I'm like cooking. I'm cleaning. I'm not sitting and watching everything. But I think there's something that people like about the visual aspect at least right now and i think it's because of covid because before especially in cities we had those grinding commutes an hour and you need something to do and listen to and i think that that has something to do with it so um yeah i mean because i obtain podcasts through itunes i sort of assume that everybody does but i was very surprised to see that the youtube numbers are pretty much matching my downloads, like the YouTube views on are actually quite impressive, way more than I thought. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because with YouTube, if you get something in the algorithm, it can just be like, Mm. I'm just trying to look at, I would say most of our episodes before we're sitting at like, we've got a couple 300, 250, you know, 300s. really they've gone down since COVID, like almost on the dot from COVID, like actually. So that's the only thing I can think of because that's kind of the only correlation that I see because it's definitely like even our smaller or, you know, not smaller, but like people maybe with less followers, they were still getting the same kind of like consistent amount of views and downloads and stuff. So, Mm. but 
Cool. The interwebs. Yeah. 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 All this crazy <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's all news. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Glad we could, uh, glad we could do this and really, you know, coexist and be friends in this space, right? Like, the more the merrier. I love it. No, oh, it's super cool. It's okay, nice. have a great night. See you. Bye. That's all for episode number 12 of Permastoked. I hope you guys enjoyed getting to know me, your host, Derek Hyatt, a little better. Time's going to tell because I will be able to see the download rate on this episode, whether it goes up or whether it stays low. That'll give me a pretty good indication. But anyhow, a big mahalo to Taylor Morozova from the Weird Waves podcast for doing this collaboration with me and for allowing me to share my story with you, the listeners. I tried a few times to record an episode of me just talking to you all, sharing my story, um, but I really felt like an arrogant tool doing it. And so I'm glad I waited for this opportunity instead. So be sure to check out the Weird Waves podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. You can connect with Taylor online at www.wavebabehair.com. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram at Weird Waves Podcast. Um, you can also check out her at Wave Babe Hair Studios, and they're on Facebook and Instagram at Wave Babe Hair. So today is August 31st, 2020, by the time you're listening to this. Um, and I'd like to mention that this podcast, we do take holidays off. So therefore, we will not have a show be dropping next Monday, September 7th on Labor Day. Uh, and rather than return September 14th, we may take a break until the Canadian Thanksgiving and return a week later on Monday, October 19th. I may come back sooner, however, I did just move across the country and I still need to settle in and, and get a few things in order with the, with the brand and the company and the podcast before I can really get back to delivering you top quality podcasts. So for now, please enjoy the first 12 episodes of Permastoke, which are available free for download and streaming all across the different networks where podcasts are available, especially iTunes um, and our YouTube channel. So, hey, please share the podcast with all your buddies, and we really value your feedback and appreciate it if you can leave us an honest review and rating. So, I'll be back on the airwaves soon. Mahalo, freshies, and stay stoked. like to give a big mahalo to Mark Malibu and the Wasagas for providing our intro music Hey Chihuahua off their 2009 album Crash Monster Beach and our outro music End of Summer off their 2017 album Return of the Wasagas. For more information visit www.wasagas.com and check them out on Spotify and iTunes. And of course mahalo to all you listeners out there. We are so grateful that you chose to join us for this episode. And we look forward to providing you with even more awesome content in the future. More episodes are definitely on their way. But in the meantime, make sure to go back and listen to our previous episodes. And don't miss an episode ever again. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can even listen on Spotify or the Alexa app. And you can even watch the show on our YouTube channel. Please let us know how we're doing. 
leave us a rating and review. And don't forget to share with your family and friends over social media or by spreading the word in the lineup. To learn more about Freshwater Surf Goods and to check out our products and services, visit freshwatersurfgoods.com. Sign up for our newsletter so you can stay up to date on new products, new episodes of Permastoke, events, our SUP and yoga schedule, and other exciting news. Don't forget to follow us on social media as well. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Freshwater Surf Goods. But if you're a part of the surf or SUP community, or a surfaholic wanting to connect with your tribe and stay informed as to what's happening all across the Great Lakes and Canadian surf scene, then join our Facebook group, the All Canadian Surf and Sup Club. At Freshwater Surf Goods, we are currently in need of artists and graphic designers to help us with new product designs. We need photographers to provide Great Lakes in both East Coast and West Coast surf photography. We need musicians for music on the podcast. Hey, we wanna make this a real community effort and have you all be a part of it. Or if you have an idea for collaboration, would like to recommend a future guest, would like to invite me to an event or book me to teach supper yoga, or if you'd like to carry our products in your store or you're interested in being a sponsor of the show, and for anything else, hit me up on social media or email me at Derek at freshwatersurfgoods.com. That's Derek spelled the Viking way. No double R's or C's, just D-E-R-I-K at freshwatersurfgoods.com. I look forward to next time and getting to know you all better. In the meantime, I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. Mahalo, freshies. Keep surfing and stay stoked. Mm -hmm.